I'm Talia Lazarus, your host, and in August 2021, my whole life changed. I was in a road accident, which led me to 10 weeks of no walking, knee surgery that September, and double knee surgery in February 2022. After learning how to walk again in my 20s, my journey took me on a physical, emotional, and mental roller coaster, and I was broken and lost in every way. But then I learned I had the ability to change my own life and write my own story. So think of a taboo subject that's not always spoken about. Here we confront it and run towards it head on. Rock bottom becomes a safe and comfortable place. Rising from the ashes, taking control of your life and showing up to your fears takes something extraordinary. The hardest step is the first one, but once you take it, you're already one step ahead of yesterday and one step closer to everything you have ever dreamt of. Today I'm joined by Jamie Michael Gregory. His story begins with a childhood marred by chaos, pain and abuse, both physical and emotional. Growing up in an environment that taught survival at all costs, he faced a disconnect from his emotions, leaving him lost and withdrawn. Becoming addicted to drugs, accompanied by an eating disorder, and after losing his father, being kicked out and sleeping on the streets, Jamie embraced his darkness and transformed it into light. Jamie now dedicates his life to empowering others showing them that they too can heal themselves. He has just published a book titled The Talking Universe, which is a unique, powerful and raw self-help book detailing his journey. So, how has Jamie learned to heal himself? We've got a lot to talk about today. There's going to be a lot of things that we are going to discuss, but I want to start with your book. Um, So this is the book here. It's called The Talking Universe, and I have read it myself. And I think what I love the most about this is it's if anybody writes a diary or if anybody journals when they're going through anything that is exactly what this book is it's almost like reading your rawest truest feelings which I I just love because a lot of times when you read a book you can see where the narrative's going you can you can kind of see what's going to happen next but with you you can feel every page you can feel the feelings and that is what I mean I love the most because I just think it's from the story that it is, it is beautifully written. Oh, thank you. No, it's my pleasure, my pleasure. And kind of want to just say then that the on the front page of the book, mm. that the London Economic have said that it's a harrowing yet ultimately uplifting book that will take its place among the classics of self-help. And to be honest with you, I agree. <laughs> that, but that, I guess that's what it is, isn't it? Like I said, it's, be- it's, it's a, a harrowing story, yet it's beautifully written. Yeah, it's triggering, really triggering. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure. And I guess that's what I kind of want to ask is that I know it was written a while ago now, but everything that you went through, which we obviously are going to go into, mm. how do you feel that writing the book, you know, did it did it help getting the the words out on the pages? How did you feel it took you through everything? Yeah, it was an emotional outlet. Um, so at first it was really helpful mm-hmm. um, to get everything out and it took a long time and it was layered. So I went over and over and over the book and you just go through um different range of emotions, like how you view a situation mm-hmm. maybe at the start, two, three, four years into the book, you kind of view it differently. So I'll give you an example. That was a lot of anger towards my dad. Mm-hmm. Whereas now like finishing the book, I feel sorry for my dad. So it takes you on a journey. Um, But back to your question, yeah, at the start, it was really, really helpful. But towards the end, it became unhelpful. Because um, I got to a point with it where 
I was just constantly going over it time and time again. And one thing that I've learned in order to find peace and happiness, you have to be present. And it's very, very hard to be present when you're going back into the past every single day. And that's what I was doing with that book. So there had to come a time where I said, right, enough's enough. I need to now move forward and leave it where it is. So yes, it helped, but I wish I could have done it um, a lot sooner um, because it took seven years in total and it it was a long time. And within them seven years, I was unable to really have a relationship with, with, with a female. Friendships were really, really hard to kind of have. There were some days that I'd wake up have shaking fixed, couldn't get out of bed, be like, right, today I want to go to the gym. Um, I want to go and see my friends. And then my body just wouldn't get out Mm -hmm. of bed. So it just took me to every single dark place that I was trying to hide from as an adult. Um, And I went and had to relive that and not only relive it, rewrite it, smell it, see all the the characters, the people, the places. And, um, yeah, it it made me ill at points. Yeah, it's interesting that because I think some people when they when they go back into the past, um, you hear a lot of a lot of people when it, it, it triggers them, but it mm. it triggers everybody very differently. And some people can feel it very liberating, but some people absolutely do not want to categorically relive anything. And I find that that that's very interesting in itself, but. Obviously, what I want to do now is I want to go back to the beginning and Mm. start at the very beginning of your journey. Because I remember when I was reading, especially your first few chapters or the first few pages, at least. um, I mean, I I personally couldn't believe what I was reading. And I think this is where it's an interesting place to start is at the beginning of your journey, because I do believe that. I mean, as you know, as well, it completely shapes you into who you are today. Mm. So it is over to you to start where you want at the beginning yeah um so my, my dad's uh greek cypriot my mum's english and they separated when i was four and i went to live with my dad mm-hmm. so there's a lot of abuse in the house before that um i also have two other sisters so i've got a disabled sister as well and she, her, her name was christina and my other sister was alexandra who was a baby so I was the one that was going to live with my dad because of the situation between them two. And there was just a lot of abuse from like really early on. A lot of, you know, you could classify it as torture, not fed, uh, locked in in like the bedroom. Um, I was beaten with um, weapons, bats, pieces of words. Um, This was all before the age of six. Um, a lot of kind of emotional, mental kind of um, abuse as well. And what actually happened was social services got involved when I was, I think, seven. When I came to school and um, I'd been belted by my dad and I had blood seeping through my uh, white school shirt and they called the police and my dad was arrested and I was put into the custody of my mum. Whereas at my dad's had a lot of freedom, at my mum's had to eat vegetables, go to bed early. So I always gravitated back towards my dad. And my dad used to kind of indoctrinate me by some of the things you'd say about my mum. So I never trusted my mum. So this was a, a traumatic kind of bond between me and my dad 
that we had. And my dad was on TV and in the news. So grew up around guns, drugs. Me and my friend Ricky were burying drugs in the loft for my dad at the age of 11. I remember seeing sex orgies happening in our lounge from the age of seven, people just having sex, which then gave me a distorted perception of reality. So I grew up looking for love in all the wrong places. And kind of that was that was my start. It wasn't the best. Um, but also I'd like to point out that it was what was familiar to me. So some people read it, maybe like yourself, and you think, oh my God, that's horrendous. But I didn't know any different as a child. So although it was really, really bad, um, I kind of didn't really have a reference reference point to look at what was good. So it wasn't as bad as somebody from the outside looking in thinking, oh my God, you know, like for me, again, it was just, it was my normality. Yeah. And I think that's what's interesting as well, because when you are growing up as a child, whatever you're going through, you know, you don't know what's different. You don't, you know, you might see it differently, whether mm. your friend's family or, you know, on the television, you might see it differently, but that is what you're growing up with. That's what you're dealing with. And I mean, that is when you are learning relationships and perceptions of, of so many different things. And like mm. you said, it, it it already started to alter things that, that then happened growing up in your life. Um, and there's one thing that I remember reading when you in the book as well, when you're talking about, and I think it was a time when you, uh, when you had a cat mm. and um, I think there was a moment where I think your father put your face in. Yeah. So the cat, the cat shit on the bed and my didn't my dad didn't want a cat and then he grabbed me by the head and just rubbed my face in the cat shit saying that the reason for the cat shitting on the bed was was my fault and um then the cat got given to the childminder that I used to go and stay with but then they renamed her another name so mm. I used to go around then and see my cat but it was now called something else so yeah all of these kind of like really disturbing episodes from my childhood would go on to kind of create a really fucked up future uh for me and um took took a lot of uh a lot of therapy mm-hmm. to kind of get over some of that stuff that happened when I was a child you know cuz all of that happened for me when I was going through the child maturation stage when I was forming my subconscious mind so it was formed with uh misconceptions it was formed with trauma abuse and um that's what would basically infiltrate my life as I grew into an adult and it just became utter chaos. Mm. And I guess it almost makes you feel that you're not good enough. Um, you know, or you're, you're not this enough. You're not that enough. You're not worthy enough. And it, it could in, in so many different ways re- uh, come out in those kind of directions. Well, you, you, you can't rationalize it as a child. So the only perception that you have, well, my perception was, well, God must've made me a bad mm. child because of my limited kind of uh brain capacity i i i didn't i didn't really know how else to to kind of view my situation it was just this was all happening to me because i was i was made a a, a bad child you know and then um yeah it affected how i would go on to love other people it would affect my self worth you know and this is when all of the addiction started so I mean I started already smoking and selling drugs from the age of 11 I started off with just weed and then um I mean we'd nick some of the pills out of the loft sometimes that my that we'd put up there for my dad so we then started taking the ecstasy 
you know, I was eating them like Smarties. And then it got severe at the age of 15 when I came home and my dad was smoking crack with my, my best friend, Mark's older brother, Rob. And I caught them in the middle of a session. And then my dad let me try a, a crack pipe. And then from that moment onwards, I became addicted to crack cocaine, was going out, robbing cars, houses, people from the age of 15 to 17 until my dad was killed doing that with my dad. Um, so, you know, he should have, should have obviously protected me, but everything that happened, you know, as a child, I can be forgiven for, but when you become an adult, all that changes, you know, but when I became an adult, I still, I still saw myself as a victim and that energy that I needed to heal and to help myself when I was, when I was putting that towards that victim mentality, I had it never gave me the the energy to really focus on myself, look inwardly and, and, and try to solve these problems. All my problems seemed to be outside of myself. Um, and that just ended up with a, again, a, a addiction to crack cocaine, which I eventually overcome. And then I was, I was arrested over 30 times by the police before the age of 23, left school, couldn't read or write, was dyslexic, was fighting, stealing, criminal damage fray so yeah just I just especially after my dad got killed I just didn't know how to behave and then I went to live with my mum so I was 17 I was coming off a crack addiction went to live with my mum dad was killed and then my mum kicked me out onto the streets I'd obviously got my two sisters I'm fighting I'm coming home there's blood on my clothes she's finding drugs in the drawer of my bedroom and then I lived on the streets for six months, stealing food out of shops to survive. After my dad's just been killed, I'm suffering with depression, anxiety. It was fucking horrific. It was like entering the gates of hell. And I was still deemed or classified as a child, still under the age of 18. And um, whatever I tried to do just resulted in just failure. And I just, I just didn't want to carry on. I just, I want, I, I remember I wanted to kill myself at that point, but I was. I thought I was a coward because I was too scared to do it. I hadn't worked out a way how I could kill myself without my conscious mind intervening. You know, I didn't want to go through that pain. So I just felt this is pointless. Why am I carrying on with life? Like I just felt like a shell. I just felt, I just felt numb. And actually a lot of times when I'd fight and lash out, it was, it was a way of activating my fight response because I felt so numb throughout my childhood with the, the continuous abuse that I had to go through and I wasn't able to speak my truth. So when I became an adult, when I used to fight, it was like I was fighting all them battles in my head that I couldn't fight when I was a child, when I was defenseless. Yeah. And I think that's interesting as well, isn't it? It's when you are obviously are a child, you are completely defenseless. Um, mm. And like we were saying, you just you just learn what's around you. You just kind of seem to understand what's around you. And then adapt to your environment. Yeah, absolutely. You just adapt and you just, and that's what you then take into the future because you don't know any different, but then there's a, with all of that in mind, there's a whole kind of section in the book where you talk about, you know, almost running and keeping escaping. And I guess that's the thing with, with the drugs and the addiction and all of those kind of things it's like constantly looking for escapism in a way, constantly running, whether it was to a different country, a different city, which obviously you talk all about in the book, that do you feel that's what you were constantly doing? Unconsciously I was running. Yeah. Consciously I thought, you know, I could 
could create a different reality elsewhere, but I was running from the self. And by taking drugs and uh, numbing myself to my environment, I was basically not able to feel. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you're a child and you, you grow up suppressing your emotions because of how severe the pain was, when they did come through to the surface, they were so intense. I couldn't understand what they meant. I, I didn't. I didn't understand what shame, guilt, apathy, all of these emotions meant. I just feel something in my body and I don't want to feel that. So I would unconsciously run. But what I'd go on to learn is that, you know, whenever you don't feel and you suppress emotions, they manifest into areas of your life in ugly and unhealthy ways as well. You know, some of the relationships you go on to have, addictions. So the key for me or the transformation for me eventually in the future was getting myself to a place of safety where I could feel. And that was, that was tough, you know, because it took me probably to, I think 29, I'm 37 now to bearing in mind a lot of this we're talking about. It was around like very, very young age. And, um, it's shattering, you know, you really have to sit there, accept, set where you are, surrender, allow the feelings to come through to the surface. And they're not nice. And as I said, I used to get shaking fits. And um, sometimes I'd be sat there and it'll be like a revolving kind of past memory going around in my head and I can't move. I'm just shaking. The good thing is the trauma's coming out, but it's when that shaking starts to happen, as before I might go and take drugs or drink or do something to kind of suppress it that doesn't work um it just kept it kind of always underlying um and i'd learn that um but it's i i I get why people find it hard to to heal and to face kind of the past and and some of the issues that they go through because it's i mean first of all as a species we're genetically wired to not want to feel pain so you need to apply resistance there and it's tough. It's, it's so, so tough, you know, especially when you've got something there like a drink or a cigarette where, you know, you can just within two or three seconds, you can make that pain go away. So you really have to apply a lot of resistance to be able to sit with it. I did that for so many years because it's not linear either. You're like, let a bit out and then a bit more and then a bit more and then you think you've got somewhere you move forward a bit. it's a bit like snakes and ladders you're going around the board and you're going up the ladder and then all of a sudden you feel like you're going back down but each time you do that you are building up another le- layer or, or level of resistance you become stronger and stronger and before you know it you know you you've got a good solid foundation whereas now I don't drink I haven't for a while um it's drugs any of that sort of stuff for me I just I feel the feelings I let them out and they're not as intense anymore because the more you do it and the more you practice it um the more you can tolerate it it's like anything in life but that is the only real way to heal you know and another chapter in the book when we talk about the reason why I wrote the book and looking at some of the social systems in place such as the educational system or healthcare organization you know, I've got friends that took on Prozac for depression and all it does is create unconscious pressure when the emotions need to come out, they need to, to, to surface. And I've, I've got friends that 
two, three, four years later, they're still taking the same medication, you know, numbing themselves to their environment and dependent on your belief system. You know, from what I know, we come here to earth to experience all range of emotions. So when we're numbing ourselves, we're not really, not really doing what we're supposed to be doing. You know, the whole reason we come here is to feel, is to feel that range of emotions. And it's not just happiness, you know, it's not just joy. It's not just peace. It's, it's, it's to feel everything, you know, because life is about duality. If you had 365 days a year of sunshine and chocolate cake, you're going to get fucking bored. You are, you know, <laughs> you, you, you need the bad to experience, yeah. you know, the good. Yeah, I think it's interesting as well, like you were saying with the healing, it's it's like the snakes and ladders, it's mm. two steps forwards, one step back. And I think when people have that step back, they, 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 they people freak out because it's like, why, why, why am I going backwards? Why am I going backwards? But it's, it's not backwards. I think it's, it's forwards, but in a different, in a different way. And it's also interesting, like you just said about, you know, 365 days of sunshine and chocolate cake. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm sure that there have been, when people go through their dark times, you then learn how to appreciate and experience and, and really feel those good times, those happy times, those times full of love even more. Even, even the tiniest, smallest of moments, mm. you just see them differently almost when you have been through the darker times because you just learn when there's something lighter there. You learn how to really embrace it and feel it. hundred percent because a lot of people like that read the book or see my story, they, they feel sorry for me. And I, I like, I don't understand because I just feel like at my age now, I, f I feel like my past is a blessing. Mm -hmm. It's a gift because obviously I know we've talked about kind of some of the negative things, but like I went to play football after all of this in America on a scholarship, I studied biomedical science, medicine, highest grade in my class in microbiology with no, no uh, education, educational background, redeveloped hotels for second largest hotel chain in the world, going from sleeping on the streets to earning 50,000 pound a month. I mean, we'll get into all of that and then had a, a successful maintenance company. So, you know, I've, I've done some really incredible things and then written this book, but to appreciate anything, like what you said, like moving forward, I've seen what it's like. I've stared kind of death in the face. I've seen what it's like to really experience them horrific kind of emotions. And then I also got to a point of, I lost myself when I started earning that money, watches, cars, penthouses, all that sort of stuff. You know, I really, really lost myself. But I've experienced both sides of the coin. That gives me a very unique kind of perspective on life someone that's had both and I can tell you now from where I'm at you know the, the the important things to me is walking my dog just peace and quiet time on my own reading all these things that I never thought I I thought I'd be found in money as you you tell when you when you read the book and I could never find what I was looking for in money and actually it's just the small very simple things in life nice warm day, good conversation with a close friend, um, just peace, just joy, just, yeah, things that are just quiet. And as a society, I kind of feel that we're kind of led to believe that it's all to be found in fame, fortune, money, and it's not. I mean, if anything, when I started earning that livable money, it, it just brought more complications to myself. And because I couldn't find the happiness when I was earning X amount of money, 
I thought to find my happiness, I needed to earn even more. But I was searching for happiness in all the wrong areas. You know, um, happiness is, is, is what fuels success, you know, but a lot of people think that they, they need to have success to be happy, which is an inversion. It needs to come from within. And I, I, I couldn't find it. I was searching in all the wrong places and, um, it took me to, you know, really go deep within myself, get on this healing journey, hypnotherapy, CBT, sound therapy, acupuncture, SRT therapy, study the map of conscious consciousness by Dr. David Hawkins, the Allen method. I mean, I've, I've gone to Holland, to Dubai, to Bali, to Malaysia. I mean, I've just gone all around the world, really just trying to find how I heal myself. And it's, it's funny. It's, it's actually very, very simple, not simple to, to do, mm. but very, very simple. It's just let yourself feel, you know, release the emotion, surrender to it. And if you feel like crap and you feel like you want to cry, you just cry and you let it out. And the more times you do that, you know, the more resilience you build up, which is quite simple, but you know, as, as we said, it's, it's, it's hard in the sense that you just don't want to sit with them type of feelings, you know, them memories, but it's the only way that there's no other way. Otherwise it's going to keep manifesting into your life, you know, as it, as it did with me for many, many years. And that's the thing. People, people don't want to feel the feelings. A lot of people don't want to feel their feelings. Hmm. Um, I think most <laughs> people don't yeah. want to feel their feelings and that's, but that's the thing, feeling your feelings does just help you I, I can't explain how um but it just does um and I think that's what's really interesting as well is you know you were searching like you said you were searching for happiness in all the wrong places for a really long time and then you know I guess what was the moment or not even the moment but what kind of what was the realization of I am searching in the wrong places. I'm going to start, like you said, all not, these methods not, that came not up. Not through watching a podcast or, read, <laughs> or reading a book, yeah. which, you know, I've read hundreds of books, which I always used to read a book and something would then happen in my life. And I'd be like, well, I read this book. Why have I not behaved like that? We learn through experience. Mm. And I've been given so many different life experiences. And that's how I ultimately learned, um, you know, I've also had been very lucky in, in terms of, um, you know, I, I got myself to a place of, of financially being able to pull away from work and really focus on this 24 seven. Whereas a lot of people have family, they have kids, got, got go to work, they have other commitments where I've spent really the last four years of really sitting with myself, creating a lot of space, really looking at myself. So I studied uh, Kabbalah for six months out in Bali which is based on Jewish mysticism from, from the Zohar. and really just looked at how I could apply some of these methods into my life. So a lot of that was down to resistance. So when you when you fast, when you're hungry, for instance, you get clarity. When you want to have sex and you abstain, you get creativity. So everywhere in life where you apply resistance, you'll find gold. So that's when I started to see, I mean, there's been many significant changes, but that's when I started to see a real significant change when I started to apply a lot of this stuff into my life. And, um, 
create a lot of solitude, which was important. I mean, when I was young, it was more isolation. I'd isolate myself because human contact was like really, really tough for me. But then I learned when I turn that into solitude, I'm not sitting there binging, watching TV. I'm sitting there, I'm journaling, I'm reading, I'm working on myself and it's not linear. And this is why also a lot of people struggle because they look for instantaneous results and it doesn't work like that. I mean, for me, it's been years. I mean, so, so you get so far down the path that when you look back, you just sometimes you're just like, I just don't even know where I am anymore but you're changing as you're going along and you know and that's what that's what creates spiritual transformation as well when you're applying that resistance you're changing you're getting knocked down you're getting back up you're getting knocked down and you you just keep going and going and going until you get to a point one day where it's like where I'm at now it's not all of a sudden one day you wake up and it's like I've made it. it it it's just it happens and then all of a sudden you're living it and then it just becomes your everyday life. There's not like one defining moment where you wake up one morning and say, right, I've cracked it, yeah. you know, and then darker days get fewer and fewer. Like for me, I don't really have them days anymore. Um, I have days where I still get frustrated and I still get angry, but I have like techniques and methods how to deal with that. Like I just take the dog for an extra walk. You know, or I'll go swimming a lot at night or I'll go to the gym or I have a, a conversation with somebody that's close to me and that then passes. And some people used to say to me, oh, I've had a bad day. And I used to tell myself, I've had a fucking bad year. You know, they used to last for so, so long. Whereas now it doesn't last as long. It might may only be like an hour here and there. And when it comes, I recognize it. I know what it is. So I can then deal with it. Whereas before something could trigger me and something could happen in my life and I couldn't deal with the emotions that I was feeling. So it may be like I'd want to smoke a joint or go and do something kind of self-sabotaging because I just didn't want to feel, feel that emotion because it would just felt too intense. Do you think that you did a lot of self-sabotaging over the years? Cause I think a lot of people do it and they don't even realize they're doing it. Yeah. hundred percent. We do it all unconsciously um, because the, the way my brain was wired so uh, I think we're speaking about this before we come on air. So by the time you reach the age of 35, your subconscious mind controls 95% of your life, which is acquired between the ages of uh, a few years after you're born to 10, 12 years of age. And, um, or when you're going through the brain maturation stage. So we're un- all of us are unconsciously living out what we learn as 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 children and it's about creating new neuron connections in the brain so they become more prominent over the older ones but again it it doesn't happen overnight it's not linear and it's why you get to certain stages where sometimes you just feel like you're bashing your head off a brick wall because you, you you just keep falling down getting back up falling down but i think if you just you keep trying and you keep getting back up eventually you're going to stumble across success even if it's not deliberately manufactured, you know, just by pure chance, if you're willing to keep going. And I think that's what happened to me. I don't, I didn't have a, you know, like the golden answer. I just would put myself into positions where I'd try everything and everything gave me a little something like acupuncture was really, really good for me. But then hypnotherapy got into my unconscious mind. CBT was more to do with my conscious mind. So every 
thing that I went to gave me another layer upon layer and upon layer. And actually my earlier addictions, the next addiction for the, for the last 10 years is like, how, how do I heal myself? You know, how do I get, get to a place where my biggest achievement in life well, two weeks ago, and I posted this on my Instagram was I woke up. It was like five o'clock in, in the morning. There was like sun coming through the window. My cat was on the end of my bed and my dog, he always sleeps with me. And I just woke up smiling and I had no reason to smile. And that is the biggest achievement that I've ever, ever had in my life. You know, I, I just woke up happy, you know, and that was, uh, I didn't think that was possible. I always thought that I needed to have a nice car or a good job or we're back to having to try and like prove, you know, prove to people that, um, is that, is that validation, isn't it? External validation because I wasn't loved correctly as a child. So I always thought that I needed to do something to attain love of some, someone else. Whereas now it's coming from within and it's coming from, you know, very, very natural things that not revolved around external validation or how much money I've got in the bank or what I've had to do to get that. Just being me is enough. Mm. It's interesting that you mentioned the Instagram post because I was actually going to mention it because I <laughs> I remember seeing it and I remember yeah. smiling when I read it because obviously I've read your book and then I remember reading that on social media and smiling to myself because I thought that's really nice to read that he's woken up smiling. He's woken up. I think you said that you woke up with no anxiety that day. Yeah, I mean, so the, pro so the problem that I, I, I've had more recently is like I felt really a lot of joy and a lot of peace to the point where like, obviously I've not experienced a lot of them emotions before. So my body, so this is a new challenge for me now. My body is wanting to go and smoke, go and have a cigarette. It's almost like it's recalibrating and it's experiencing these positive emotions for the first time. And it's like the past habits are wanting to kind of like bring it back down. And it feels I remember speaking to my mum about this and it just feels really kind of uncomfortable to feel them emotions because it's almost like potentially when I felt them as a child, they were always taken away. So in the back of my mind, I'm kind of almost thinking, well, when's this going to go? And we're back to the self-sabotaging again. So um, it's it's beautiful to feel, but also kind of scary as well because I've not experienced too much of, of that. That's again, like you said, linking with the self-sabotaging is so many people and they seem to get into a, a better place or, you know, it doesn't matter where along their journey. But even if they start to see any sort of improvement, it almost feels like it's like that step back again. You feel that something's going wrong because if you're not used to those positive feelings, those feelings of love and happiness and peace, that's when you self-sabotage. Yeah, the, the, the brain likes to remain in areas that are familiar mm. because it it basically is able to preserve energy. So whenever we, we try to break an unconscious kind of pattern, we're going into unfamiliar territory. So the brain is having to use more energy and that's where things start to get really, really uncomfortable. So any person that wants success, they have to get comfortable being uncomfortable because I mean, that's just, just the way it is. And that's why we always resort back you know, to our default kind of patterns, even though that we know that they're destructive because it feels, it feels safe, safe or more predictable to be in the familiar than to go into the unfamiliar. And that's why it's so, so hard. And that's why, again, it doesn't happen overnight. It, this takes years and years and years of dedication. 
And when you're trying to heal ancestral trauma that's come down from your parents, I mean, that's the biggest thing you can do on this planet. I can tell you that now from everything that I've learned. You cannot do anything bigger. Remove that poison from within. So the next the next lineage or bloodline, you know, your, your children, they don't have to go through what you've had to go through. They get a fair chance in life. So to remove ancestral trauma, it's not something that's done in five minutes. But when I go to have kids, which I think I will, if I find someone that can put up with me one day, um, they get a fair chance. They don't have to go through what I've gone through. And I kind of know what's right by experiencing what was wrong. Um, so I know I, 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 I've, I've healed Oh, I'm well on the way to to healing that that kind of line that my my dad and mum wasn't able to do. But there's also no blame attached because you have to remember, like that generation, they were in a time where mental health wasn't as prevalent as it is today. It wasn't really spoken about. So my dad had his own issues. Same with my mum. And I see a lot of people that like spend a lot of their lives like blaming others. But that energy that you put towards blame doesn't give you the energy to focus on yourself. So for me to actually see change, I had to kind of look at myself in the mirror and say, I've got a load of problems that have not come from me. They've come down from my parents. I can sit here and blame them or I can try and find a way to heal myself and fix this. And it was only when I started to see that my dad was a really sick man and my mum did her best you know, and, and I don't blame any of them um, that I was afforded that energy to really start to change and help and, and, and heal myself. But I mistaken, mistakenly thought that, um, I mean, we've missed the whole part out here in terms of the spiritual awakening that I had. I ended up having a spiritual awakening, which was really, really scary. Ended up with these gifts, started having like dreams that started to come true, started to become ultra sensitive to sound, food, light. But I thought my spiritual awakening was for me to become rich. <laughs> so it, it happened. And then I thought, right, that's it. I can go and buy a Bentley and, you know, mistake. As I said, the path's not linear. I had to learn through experience. But, yeah, I kind of was just thought that I'd had 10 therapy sessions and it was um, a destination. And once I got to it, well, I've done my, my therapy. I don't need to meditate anymore. I don't need to do my breath work. I don't need to do this because I've got all the money that I can dream of. And as soon as I threw that out the window, I started to decline. So another like really important um, thing around, you know, the method of healing is it's, it's never kind of a, a destination to get to and then chuck out the window. It's something that you have to maintain for me, like every single day, it's, it's quite basic now. Like it was very regimented before, especially when I was studying Kabbalah, I had a list of like 42 things I had to do every single day. And I'm, would tick myself off and monitored myself obsessively for six months. And I'd done something similar prior to that after my spiritual awakening, when I locked the door, just started churning through loads of books, focusing on myself. Whereas now I've got it to the point where I don't even meditate anymore. And there's a whole topic on my book about spiritual bypassing people using kind of meditation, breath, breath work to kind of get further away from their darkness instead of embracing it. Whereas now I use something it's based on the Allen method where I'll sit for five minutes when I feel an emotion, I identify what the emotion is and I give myself permission to release it. And then I'm good to go after that. I have a couple of voice notes on my phone that I read out like affirmations. 
Um, I walk the dog. I don't go to bed too late. And that, and that's pretty much it. Everything else I can kind of, there's, there's a fair bit of balance in, in, in my life. And uh, yeah, it's not always been that. It's been very kind of like strict and having to be really focused because obviously once you've, you've been an addict, you've just got to all, almost be very, very careful because you feel yourself slipping back into kind of old patterns and old tendencies. And actually the biggest addiction I had was never alcohol, cigarettes or drugs. It was the emotional addiction, the baseline that was created in my childhood where I'd keep attaching myself to violent, toxic, narcissistical kind of men, especially in the business business world, which uh, resulted in me kind of, as you've read in the book, losing a couple of my businesses or whatnot. But again, there's no kind of hatred or blame. They've all taught me taught me lessons. And, you know, the last one in particular was, was the biggest gift ever because I wasn't put here to redevelop hotels for the second largest hotel chain sitting behind a desk. I was never put here to do that. I was put here to heal from the crazy amount of trauma that I've been through and then obviously share that with people so that they can learn also how to heal and maybe use some of the methods that have helped me. And I guess that's the thing, like you said, it's, it's, it's step by step. So every little thing that you did, acupuncture, um, you know, every little thing that you did along the journey. Yeah, there's three main steps. So the, the first one, so anybody that wants to embark on here, they have to have a conscious intention. Mm. So the first step is you have to consciously want to heal. And at that point, the universe will start to mold around you. And that that's why my book's called The Talking Universe, because everything, you know, that needs to be communicated to us will be for other people, situations, places. You just have to be consciously aware. So the first part, conscious intention acceptance is another really key component acceptance of where you are now in life you know no blame attached you know and surrender you know they're the three key components surrender to whatever emotions needs to surface allow it to surface and let it out naturally by not suppressing it a lot of people suppress it unconsciously they don't know that they're doing it like we've spoke about cigarettes and alcohol and drugs today i know people that do it with chocolate People do it with porn. People do it with the gym. Everybody's running. A lot of people don't know they're running because they're unconsciously running. You sit there. If you're able to sit there for 5, 10, 15 minutes in your own company, in your own space, without jumping to your phone and just allowing everything to surface, you'll be told what you need to be told. So one of the things I do do actually in the morning, first two hours, I don't go on my phone and I don't listen to radio or podcasts. I was having a conversation with my friend the other day about this. And he said, well, why do you do that? I said, because the first two hours of the day, everything that needs to surface will come through to the surface. So I wake up and sometimes the thoughts are not great, but I need to hear what them thoughts are. If I wake up and I'm constantly straight onto a coffee, put a podcast on, my thoughts never surface. So I allow my thoughts to come through to the surface. I'm walking the dog in the park. The phone don't come with me. I mean, the phone don't even come with me to the gym, to be honest with you. I don't use my phone a lot, but I'm allowing them to surface and I'm challenging them. Okay, well, why is this coming? This came up yesterday as well. And this came up the day before. And it's telling me what I need to know. So now I don't need to pick up a book or watch a podcast, although we're on a podcast. (laughs) Now I just, I have space in my life. And I know this may sound strange or whatever. Sometimes if I'm unsure about something, I'll go sit in the park. Space, I don't take my phone. Clear, as much clear space as possible. My social media don't follow anybody 
personally, I follow a few accounts that are for quotes and inspiration because it pollutes my brain. It's toxic. Don't like to go on my phone. I have very few friends. I'm always trying to create as much space as possible because my answers will come from that space. And I was working 16 hours a day behind a desk with 30 staff. And I ended up in hospital after two years with stress. Is it any wonder? I, I, I couldn't see the wood for the trees. And I see that with a lot of people. They're just so preoccupied and so busy. But it's their unconscious mind that's creating that because they're running from something. It's only when you create that stillness. And yes, maybe two hours a day for, for everybody else is too much, but maybe start with five or ten minutes a day and that voice will start to talk to you and you'll start to see that it's telling you stuff that you need to know. Yeah, I don't find that weird at all because I know you said that it might be weird and it, it, I don't find it weird at all because I actually agree. Mm. Uh, I agree with especially the first thing you wake up in the morning and you hear a lot of people when they wake up, the first thing they do is they check social media. They'll check their text messages. They'll, 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 they'll do something where they are instantly not in their own brain. They are instantly somewhere else. The, the Kabbalah talks about this. So if you look at like every kind of human being, like... It's almost like a cat and a dog, like reactive species, as we spoke about earlier. They're hungry, they eat, they want to have sex, they have sex. It says everybody has a God gene inside of us and to activate the God gene is to apply resistance. And that's how you become fully conscious. You know, so when you work for all your unconscious programming, you activate the God gene by applying resistance. That's when you start to control your life. And actually this really links in with manifestation, you know, so... When you when you read my book, you'll see I was able to manifest some incredible things with my conscious mind, but it was my unconscious programming that was always dictating the bigger picture. So it was only when I went to have hypnotherapy and I dealt with my unconscious mind was I able to start manifesting correctly. You know, so for me, I wanted to to get to a place where I felt fit and healthy and well. That was the first thing that I wanted to manifest, and then it links into my book, and then there's a whole host of other things that I plan to do. But you can't manifest correctly if you've still got a damning unconscious program in your head that is just bringing violent people into your life, toxic relationships, toxic situations. You need to, you need to heal that. And unfortunately, the conscious mind doesn't have the clarity to give you an answer to an unconscious problem. So hypnotherapy, what you do is you go in. It's not like a magic wand and you walk out and you're healed. He makes the unconscious conscious. So when you walk out that door, you know what you're working with. That's when the game starts. And that's when the snakes and ladders start. <laughs> you know, that's when you're like, right, now I know what I need to do. But as we've spoken about, and I'll reiterate again, it's not linear, but that's where the game really, really starts. And when you start to to, to kind of embark on that, that's when you start to see really, really like transformational results. And it's 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 the biggest thing you can do. I, I know a lot of successful and rich people that are just unwell. You know, to achieve kind of financial success, it's from kind of my perspective, from how I view it and how I've done it myself is is, is not actually that hard. But success is not just about being rich. That's not going to bring you happiness. Success is about being, you know, maximizing your potential mentally, spiritually, emotionally, physically. There's, there's, there's all different things that we need to focus on and healing is the most important thing because if you heal yourself, everything else, when you do get your your, your job or, or your wife or whatever it is that you're searching for, everything's just greater, it's better. There's nothing that's going to come out the woodwork, you know, and sabotage that. 
So if a person wants to be rich, let's just use this as an example, financially rich. You know, I, I know people that have a lot of money that are so fucking unhappy, so stressed. Whereas if you focused on healing yourself first, you still get that success. It may take longer, but you're going to earn your money in a more happy and more healthier way where you're not working 16 hour days like I was, ending up in hospital, losing touch with your friends, family, you know, so that there, there, there is a healthier way to do it. I think a lot of people are conditioned into thinking that if they get this car or land this high paying job or lose 25 pounds that, you know, they're, they're going to feel happy and they're going to, you know, feel successful. But as I spoke about earlier, it's an inversion. It has to come from within, not outside of yourself. Yeah. And I think that's, again, I think what a lot of people are probably running from is, is, that happiness within and running their... from the self yeah, yeah exactly running from the self because everybody's scared to look in the mirror and I can tell you from experience I had to sit and, and look at myself and it's not easy when you get to to a certain point when you realize that every kind of mistake that's happening in your life is 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 your fault it's it was me it was me that was continuing these patterns and and to be able to look in the mirror and really start to see change that's the biggest step if I sit and I blamed you or my mum or my dad how does that ever give me the energy to change I can't change my mum can't change you I can't change my dad but I can change myself so I just see that a lot with people as well it's like they don't understand the game you know um, it doesn't make the behavior of the parent for example right but if you want to win this game you need to change your perspective because as I said, you, you're only uh, given a certain amount of energy. And if that's been put towards blame, shame, guilt, all of these negative emotions, it doesn't give you the energy and the power that you need to focus that on yourself. Did you have that with your dad then? Um, with the whole not wanting to blame, blame, and then obviously him being killed. Mm. Did you find the, the, how, how was that for you? I think a lot of stuff's like a lack of understanding when you can make an association. I think that's when you start to, you start to see change. Um, I'll give you one and then we'll go to my dad. So like smoking for me, I always thought I'd smoke when I was angry or I felt fear. So sometimes I'm not smoked for two weeks and then I'll blast through like 10 cigarettes. I went to see my hypnotherapist and he said, it's down to um, patience because I'm impatient. And it's the biggest thing that I struggle with. I am. But now I've made that association. Now, like when I feel like I want a cigarette, patience, I don't want it. And if we relate that like back to my dad, for instance, um, I had no understanding of it. You know, I just saw this man that was just selling drugs, sleeping with women, causing a lot, lot, lot of abuse towards me. And I was... Yeah, I just thought he was evil. There was there was no there's nothing that I could associate with it. But then as I got older and I started to understand trauma myself, I wrote a book and I started to really heal and started to focus on some of these techniques. And then I related that towards my mum. I related that towards my dad. So my dad came over here when the war with uh, Turkey and Cyprus happened. He was an immigrant that lived in one room with five people. You know, his dad, you know, attacked him and had sex with women in front of him. My mum ended up in a house with three kids that was sold behind their back, ended up in a woman's refugee. 
you know, with a with a, a disabled child. My mum's had it so so tough as well. So both my parents have had it like really really hard. So you know, like, and now I understand that, and I understand what it is to be a human and what it is to make mistakes. I, I can't blame them. And who's to say if I'd swapped places with my mum, I wouldn't have made the same mistakes as she made, you know? So, and who's not to say in a prior life that I had made the mistakes and this is the the karma that, you know, I, I got back. You, you just don't know because we have very limited perception only based on this reality. But, yeah, I mean, the overall point that I'm trying to make is... is we should never judge anybody else until you've walked a day in their shoes. And again, I keep relating back to the Kabbalah, but it says in there that all the karma we accumulate in this life is through judging others. You know, it's the easiest thing to do because when we judge somebody else, we're putting our energy towards that situation instead of putting it towards ourselves and looking at some of the things that we can change. That's why it becomes quite repetitive. It becomes almost like an addiction. So one of the things that I learned, and I've got really good at it because I used to be terrible, I'd judge everybody. It's human nature to judge, but I'm really good at it now because I've trained myself. I, I don't judge people, you know. Um, and if I ever catch myself doing it, I pull myself straight back because I know the consequence of doing that. I'm only if I, if I judge somebody else, I'm only hurting myself because I'm accumulating karma. So when I started to put all of these things into practice, that's when things started to change for me. I've been back here now from Bali because I lived in Bali. I've been back here for two months. I've not had one bad conversation, which is which is just crazy. Like, I've had days where I've not felt okay, but I just had no bad interactions with people, you know, which is showing me um, that this is working. And, and the gift in all of this is not the money, the job. The gift is the clarity that you're afforded. That is the gift of healing. Every time you strip a layer away, you're afforded a higher level of perception and you, you're able to see things more clearly than somebody that's less healed or somebody that's smoking, drinking, etc., etc. And that higher level of clarity that you're afforded gives you more compassion, gives you more patience, and gives you more understanding. And it really just it changes you it changed because when you really view it we're all the same we all come from the same place and i'm not saying there is an evil in this world because obviously there is but 99% of the problems that you see are just people are in pain unconscious they're not drinking or smoking or taking drugs because they're bad it's usually related to some trauma in the childhood that they've not been able to heal from the behavior might not be great but underneath it like with my dad there was somebody that was in just extreme pain and just didn't know how to cope with it. So we turned to, to, to sex, to drugs, in a time where it's very different. Like now we can sit and talk about it, but then it wasn't like that, you know. So I get it. I understand it. And when you make that association and when you're able to understand something and understand the context of it, that's when you soften. It's when we don't understand. It's when you become more judgmental, you become more critical, soon as you understand somebody else's perspective and it's hard because you have to take yourself fully out of your body and put yourself in somebody else's you can't view it from your own perspective but when you're able to fully do that you'll start to see changes in your life because you start to view things differently and i think something that's also really important like you were talking about is 
not judging others, but then not judging yourself. So mm. not judging yourself yeah. for the past, what you've been through, whether it was a mistake or whether it's something that you did and maybe you look back on and you say, we were having this conversation earlier, mm. you wish you could have done it differently. But I believe that at that moment in time, you did what A, you thought was right or you did what you thought was the best to your abilities at that moment in time. So, you know, you could be five, six, seven, eight, 10, 20 years down the line and think, how on earth did I do that all those years ago? But that's what you had at the time to get you through that step. 100%. So like the shame and the guilt, it creates barriers. And, you know, when you're judging, judging yourself, which is, is so, so important to reality is a reflection of an internal state so it's like a mirror everything looking back at you is is a mirror you know so if you're feeling shame guilt apathy some of these negative emotions then that's the experiences that reflect back at you you'll meet people that 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 manifest out into your reality that reflect that and that's what i noticed and that's you know when i studied the map by dr david hawkins really learn how to release these emotions that it's it's not easy but it's only when you are able to do that that you're afforded you're afforded the energy to put towards more constructive things because if it i don't want to say the word selfish because it it is selfish but it's unconscious selfishness you know for a person to truly heal you know for me i had to view every single traumatic thing that i went through understand it heal it release it to see what made me who I was you get to a certain age in life you need to understand I needed to understand every single part that built me so here I am at say let's say 32 years of age I need to understand every single component that made me how I am so I had to write in the book was was one of the tools to do that and it was only when I was able to understand who I was could I then start to break myself back down and look at the areas that I needed to build back up? If you don't have conscious knowledge of what formed this part of you, what formed that barrier, what formed that mechanism that is continuously causing a self-sabotaging situation in your life, how can you ever fix it? So for me, for a person to truly heal, we spoke about conscious intent, surrender and acceptance, but for me, it was having hypnotherapy and writing a book and going to every single dark place. And I can sit and talk with you and I'm fine about it. But I mean, I spent 10 years, I, I could feel a swimming pool with the amount of tears that I cried. As now I tried to kind of see it more in a, a, a humor way. I kind of laugh a bit about it. I still got all my fingers, my toes, my teeth. I'm alive, you know, so... Yes, it's obviously been hard, but God, the wisdom and knowledge and, and the experience that I've I've got, fucking hell, that's a gift. It's a gift. There's not many people at my age at 37 can really turn around and say, I can live my life now. You know, I feel like I did some of these jobs that I've done, some of these things that I've done with, with my life with two hands tied behind my back and a blindfold on because I've always had traumas and uh, addictions in the past. And look what I've done. And I think to myself, imagine what I can do now. Now that I can just wake up and smile and not have to worry about any of this stuff from the past ever coming back and haunting me. It's an amazing feeling that, isn't it? The just Freedom. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's the feeling we feel when we're not, we're not in the body, you know, before we come here. It depends on your, your belief system. I mean, I've got a diploma also in astral projection. Um, 
which is, I mean, that's a podcast for another day, but <laughs> when you, when you astral project, you feel, you feel free. You don't have an association with the physical body. And I think very similar to when we die and we shed this body like a, a snake shed skin. We leave all of that trauma and that experience behind and you know the soul which is pure can't be destroyed and goes back intact with with the learnings hopefully that it's it's made so then what's uh what's a piece of advice that you would give to somebody that's that's you said earlier mm-hmm. you know the first not even the first step when you know that you want to change that's almost like the first step to changing you've accepted mm-hmm. that this is what you want so what would you say to somebody then that maybe is at that stage where they've realized, okay, wait a minute. I think I want to, I want to get to grips with what's going on. I want to, yeah, I want to travel into this journey. What would you say to them? So the, the con- conscious in- intent is the most important thing. We don't need to know the path. Mm-hmm. So don't, you know, I was trying to work out like how I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. That's not how it works. You just have to surrender, have a conscious intent, and then the universe will mold around you. But the biggest thing for me, which I recommend to to anybody is, is start getting used to spending time in solitude and creating space because that's where all your answers will come through. And that's where you start to be guided. You know, and that's what happened to me. And I started to replace the nights out and the nightclubs and the bars with sitting on my own reading and spending time with my dog and going out into nature and, I mean, I was lucky that I had a, a, a spiritual awakening. So I was unconsciously being led, but solitude is massive. You you have to embrace solitude. It's the most important component to, to get comfortable being in your own skin, listening to your body, understanding the signals that it's telling you. You, you can't do that if there's, if there's too much kind of disturbance that's affecting the or, or pollution affecting the the auric field you know you need to keep it clear to be able to receive if it's not clear or you're putting poison in it alcohol or you're spending your time slandering other people or talking behind other people's backs or whatever all, all of this sort of stuff it just accumulates you know so for me i i went overboard i so said i locked i locked my door for a year i didn't leave the house so I'm not moving until I sort my my stuff out. And I just started really just focusing, small routines, monitoring myself obsessively, creating like sheets where I would write down what works, what doesn't work, what have I learned from this book, really obsessively. So the the, the I'll give you the duality, the, the negative to smoking crack cocaine as a 15-year-old and becoming addicted was all the crap that happened. The positive was it, it created a very like almost addictive brain. So when I was able to heal from my drugs, I still had that addiction gene. I'd churn through a 300 page book in a day. I just become obsessed about acquiring knowledge, you know, to the point where, as you said, I've written a book, which the London economic have said would go down as a, an all time classic. I, I left school. I couldn't read or write, <laughs> you know, so I've educated myself to the point of, just yeah you know they, they said I had dyslexia at school which I, did, I don't even believe that now I just think all my energy was uh expelled towards protecting myself and when I got to a place of safety in my life my dyslexia went I started to educate myself so 
yeah, back to what you said for other people, just all of that, you know, obsessively monitoring yourself, solitude, conscious intention, spending time focusing on yourself. Podcasts and books are great as well. Don't get me wrong. They are great and they give you something. But to see real transformation, as I said, you learn through experience. And I've, I've read some amazing books, um, Power of Now, Journey of the Souls, Power of the Kabbalah, Road Less Travel. All of these books will help that you then have to go and live your life and you have to experience what these books are telling you. And it doesn't always happen first time because you'd read the book and think, well, like I did, well, why haven't I reacted like this when this book's told me? Again, it's not linear. You're back to playing the snakes and ladders, you know. I think we also live in a time where with social media, everybody wants everything on, on click of a button. <laughs> and it don't this this game don't work like that. It takes a very, very, very long time to see substantial change. You know, if you're looking at uh, trying to heal ancestral trauma, how how many lines has that gone back? Five, 10, 20, hundreds, maybe thousands of years of trauma. And you think you're going to do it in five minutes? No, don't work like that. I think that's a really important message is that if it doesn't, if it doesn't work the first time, the second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, it will eventually, as long as you just keep going. And I think a lot of people get stumped when it doesn't work the first time. Yeah, because it's, it's, it's disheartening as well, isn't it? And you, you just, you, you do, you get upset, you get down, you get sad, but you just got to keep getting up and mm. keep trying because what's the alternative? The alternative is to quit where you've already been down that road. So you might as well keep trying. I mean, there were times I was, I was trying, but in the back of my head, I was just thinking, well, what's the point in this? You know, I'm only going to fail again. But you just keep doing it and doing it and doing it until you start to see, you know, you, you eventually you will start to see results. But it takes many, many years. But I, I had a, you know, we've not even discussed nearly everything in that book, but I had a lot of trauma um, from, you know, addictions to, to sleeping homeless to all the different forms of abuse, the torture. Like normal everyday person probably only has maybe one thing to focus on. So it might not take them as long as it took me, you know, so I wouldn't let the, the, the time dishearten you. I think as soon as you attach a time frame to it as well, you're going to end up looking for shortcuts. <laughs> so when you embark on a journey of healing, I think that there can't be any time frame attached. You just have to be and let it take its natural process. Because I, 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 I again, I, I tried to attach a time frame to it and with this stuff, you're not in control. And when you think you are, I mean, that's when you end up losing. And I think what you've done is to show everybody and, you know, myself now where you are now and the things that you're doing now and the places you're in now. And then everything that's happened from your past in the book, mm -hmm. you are almost the walking example of the past doesn't define you. And I think so many people need to understand that the past really doesn't define them. Um, as long as they continue to move forward to the future, because I think you really can move forward into a future and create the life of your dreams. I, I think I think the, the, the priority, like in, in, in my eyes, is 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 progressing internally. Mm. Yeah, society. It looks like the priority in a lot of people's eyes is to progress externally. Mm. I think is an inversion there. I think as a as a general, we've got that the wrong way around. So my advice, and I don't like giving advice, I, I, I just 
tell my story and if people want to take bits and bobs out of it then then great but the number one thing that you should be looking to do is 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 look within yourself and heal and progress because as soon as you do that everything else molds around that everything else will come from that but i just think we live in a time where that's i was about i'm gonna say secondary but it's not even secondary with some people i know some that they just have no kind of intention to want to change or heal or and it's it's the most important thing that we're all here to do no i agree with you i i agree so is there anything else that you want to mention today before we finish? Can I have a cup of tea? <laughs> of course you can. <laughs> of course you can. I <laughs> um, don't know, is there any other topics that you would want to discuss in the book that you... I think everything that we've discussed today is uh, kind of encapsulates a lot of, a lot of, I mean, I say a lot, but they're not even a lot. And I think it's a really interesting point and place to kind of be with it all because at the, you know, at the end of the day, you know, the book details everything and everything from the past and and everything that has been over the seven years did it um, did it trigger you like how did you relate to it from the experiences that you've had yourself or there parts where you, you you could really kind of resonate and kind of understand yeah and it made you think maybe differently about your own kind of experience or oh yeah 100 percent. and and interestingly enough even not even in the book when we you and i have spoken as well there have been things that you have made me look at and and understand. And I think, especially when reading the book, it, it, I think what I learned as well was, or what I guess triggered me in a, in a, in a different way is I haven't been through, you know, half the stuff you've been through, but I could still look at some of it and read some of it and feel some of it mm. and relate it to my own journeys, my own past, whatever I've been through. And I think that's, what's important, uh, you know when when people go through something and they hear someone else going through something else it doesn't matter how different your story is it doesn't matter how different your traumas are and your triggers are you can still relate in in, in your own ways because you can see what they're going through and you can feel it and you can think wow like i felt that but in a different way so it's interesting because yes even though like i said i haven't been through half the stuff you have mm-hmm. it still took me to places that i know i'd been through but then I guess it's 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 seeing where I am now to who I was and where I used to be. Yeah, I I think people kind of look at my story, like what you said, I get that a lot. But for me, it's like fear is still fear. Mm. Anger is still anger. So if you feel fear about something, but it looks more severe, my fear in my story, we, we both still feel fear, mm-hmm. you know. So everybody can relate, I think, to to to, to all of these kind of, negative emotions because we've all experienced them i think the the the, the actions to some degree are a bit you know irrelevant really because every person has experienced anger fear joy happiness that's that's what you know that's why i wrote the book to try and see you know if there was a way to connect to connect to people you know and see um if it resonated and it's nice to to get good feedback well there you go i think that's the thing you are connecting with people and like you said that's kind of where you feel the or where you see that your path is now is 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 being able to do this and help people and and give people hope and connect with people and hopefully people will read this and you know even if even if it gives them that tiny glimmer of hope that one step to 
want to make that change mm. then it's kind of like that's that's your job done you know that that's yeah that's where you're going i, with I it. think i'm at an age now like how i earn my money is very important as well because it's a transfer of energy whereas before it was more about the self mm. what can i buy you know <laughs> whereas now it's more about i still need to earn money to survive but if i can earn money by also helping mm-hmm. people at the same time that to me is the most important thing to be able to do something I I enjoy doing. And as I said, I'm at a stage now where I, I don't mind talking about this stuff. I mean, there would have been a time in my life where I wouldn't have been able to sit with you today because it just would have been too distressing. Whereas now I just feel like I have a kind of crystal clear clarity over it and it, it, it doesn't, it doesn't trigger me anymore. But that's timing. That's all about timing yeah. life, you know, Timing. it's all about timing. So you know, you're able to sit here today and talk through it all. Uh, you know, once upon a time, you might not have been able to. So it's been, uh, yeah, it's been really great to chat to you today. You too. Thank you, you so too. much. Come, you can have your tea now. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Jamie, for joining me. And please pick up a copy of the book, The Talking Universe. So this week, think about your path. Can you begin to start applying resistance in areas of your life? Can you begin to create more space? When you have more space, more of the good comes flowing in. Tomorrow morning, take a few moments of space when you wake up to wake up and just be you without any external factors getting in your mind first. So thank you for listening. I'll see you next time.